Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, uh, my buddy David Nicholas heads Nicholas Wealth Management uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, I'm one of his clients. He also has a show on WSB on the weekends, uh, my flagship station. But uh, you have seen him across media outlets, mostly Fox and Fox Business. He knows what he's talking about, and I figured today is the day probably need to get David on here to talk. David, how are you? Well, I, I guess you're having a busy day. Yeah, yeah, not the best day, but uh, honored to be here, Eric. So, okay, let's talk about this in, in the wider range. The So inflation is up 8.3%. They were expecting 8.1%. Even as gas is down 10%, uh, core inflation is up. What does this tell you about the economy right now? Yeah, you're right. So prices rose 8.3% year over year. You're right. The good news is, yeah, gas prices are down. The problem is, is everything else is more expensive. I mean, I'm looking at this report. Rent's up. healthcare's up. Uh, food, groceries, restaurants. I mean, Eric, if you just look at like natural gas is up almost 4% month over month. But that number, the 6% number core, the 8% number, doesn't really paint the full picture. Because if you look at like natural gas, I'm just looking at year over year, that's up 33% year over year. I mean, that's just crazy. Even if you look at uh, gasoline up 27, almost 30% year over year. So where Americans are spending the most, it's much more than just the 6 or the 8% number. I mean, it's up pretty big. And so if you look at the Federal Reserve, right, their goal is to try to slow down the economy to create some pain so that inflation will come down. But we're just not seeing it. And this is what I want to remind our listeners is that we can't have a strong economy and inflation come down. So if you want to simplify this, it's there's going to be more pain for the economy that's the only way we bring inflation down. So every time we get one of these reports and we see inflation going up, what does that tell the Fed? It tells the Fed, guess what? We got to do more. We got to be in, in aggressive inflation fighting mode. And that just means us as Americans, we're going to feel it. And so I think this report just means for the Fed, Eric, that they've got a lot more work to do. I think it's going to get I wish I had some good news, but it's going to get uglier. And this is where you just got to be prepared for it, because until these numbers come down, the Fed's going to be much more hawkish, which means they're going to be much more prone to raise rates higher and for longer. Well, and, and you know, I thought it was very interesting yesterday uh, at, at the White House. CNN was talking with one of their economic reporters at the White House about this and what the White House was saying. And the White House was beginning to suggest that with oil prices down, inflation would be better even compared to last month. And so the Fed may ease up on the rate tightening. And now suddenly we're having uh, CNBC as a story now that they might go as high as a full point now as opposed to three quarters of a point given today's right. news. I realize there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Uh, but it does seem like uh, they're going to have to be aggressive. That's right. And I'll tell you, the, the administration, the federal government is making the Federal Reserve job that much harder, right? Because it's fighting stimulus. I mean, if you look at where inflation was of, at March of last year, right as that $2 trillion stimulus bill was passed last spring, inflation shot up. I mean, we were in line with other nations. And then out of, just magically, March of last year, our inflation started to just skyrocket. So the Fed, and the, so we haven't learned, right? The government still, we've seen the administration come out with a student loan handout, uh, whether it's the CHIPS Act, which was a sizable bill, almost $200 billion. The, the Federal Reserve, is, I mean, they can't hike rates fast enough to play catch up with what our federal government 
is spending. So, no, I don't think that's right. Uh, the Fed's going to have to work a lot harder, Eric, unfortunately. Now, in the broader economy, we actually had a guy call in, Mark, at the end of last hour and was saying, well, what's the government going to do to help seniors with fixed income who are, are having to manage a minimal cost of living adjustment from Social Security? I, and I, I told him, and, and he'd love to get you to chime in here, feel free to disagree, that if the government does anything, it's going to have to spend money, and by spending money, it's going to make the overall problem even worse. Yeah, you know, I actually heard that, uh, Eric. I was getting in my car, and I think it was Mark that called in. He, he is so spot on, and it's almost like this this segment of the population that's so big, but politicians Washington is not talking about it because retirees, if you're someone over the age of 60 right now, you are taking it on the chin. And so, like, if we take wages, for example, great, wages are going up. Well, if you're a retiree, that doesn't help you. Okay, interest rates are going up. Well, if you're a retiree, that means your bonds are losing money. Uh, feds are hiking rates, so that means we see market volatility. And oh, by the way, our taxes are probably going up. And then added to the fact, right, you said Social Security, they're, they're trying to appease retirees by raising what's the, the payout on Social Security. But the, the trust fund, and I look at this closely, Eric, by 2035, like Social Security trust fund is gone. So, I mean, that is a, a, on the top a 15% cut to Social Security. So, yeah, I agree. For retirees right now, who's getting hit the hardest? It's a lot of our listeners. Those are getting hit the hardest right now because their their investment accounts are down. Their bonds are losing money. They don't benefit from wage increases. And being on a fixed income, it's very tough right now. So, actually, my my heart breaks for a lot of retirees because this is really – you really got to start thinking about protection mode. I'm happy to talk a little bit more about that. But there's going to be a time where we can try to get this great return for the markets. This is time to hold on what you ha- with what you have because I think the situation gets worse. But the, the story for retirees, uh, I, I don't think changes in the short term. And I think Congress has to start addressing this because it's tough. Uh, that's who I think is really going to bear the cost of this nightmare that we're seeing coming out of Washington. So let's talk about protection mode. People who are on the verge of or at retirement or, or in retirement, what do they need to start thinking about doing? Yeah. There's this, I see this fear a lot. It's this fear of missing out, of saying, oh gosh, if I'm not invested, I'm going to miss out on these great returns. But I, my, my advice is, look, you can have a period of time where you just say, you know what, I'm going to take a time out for right now. You know, if you're 25 years old or 30 years old, you want to stay invested. If you're 55, 65, 75, it is perfectly okay to say, you know what, with all the craziness coming out of Washington, with all the craziness of the Federal Reserve, I just want to take a little cool off period. And that means I might hold cash. There's nothing wrong, Eric, with rates going higher. The one-year government bond is yielding like 3.7%. I know that's not exciting, but I lean towards being boring right now, meaning you can take 40 to 50% of your portfolio, either hold a cash position or buy a treasury. This is what we're doing for our clients right now. We're buying the one-year and two-year treasury. We're getting almost 4%. So that, that's one idea. The other thing is dividend stocks – I know that those have been the boring stocks. The technology names have been all the rage the last couple of years. But there's nothing wrong with old, owning like a Walgreens that pays a 5% dividend or take IBM pays a 5% dividend. If, if I'm going to own stocks in this environment, I better be paid to own stocks during this craziness. So I like owning more of a dividend-paying name, name like Clorox, right, 3.5% dividend, IBM, Walgreens, some of our oil names. So if you want to stay invested, I would lean toward dividend stocks here, but it is okay to have a cool off and to own things like cash. I mean, there's even things like fixed annuities that can preserve capital. 
but you really want to look at it. If you're over age 60, I would lean more towards safety and protection. Let's get through the midterms. Let's get, as we get into the spring of next year, that's the time I think we can get more aggressive, but let's protect at this point, Eric. You know, I, I saw a statistic a while back. It kind of blew my mind that if you invested uh, $10,000 in the stock market in 1968, uh, in 1982, you would have $10,000 um, given the, the stagflation of Carter. And, and, and the footnote there was that uh, had you invested just in dividend stocks, you obviously would have done better with compounded reinvested dividends. It kind of blew my mind on growth stocks that don't play dividends back during that decade, roughly, of the 1970s. Just there was no growth. So now that let's pivot here. You've got a a group of Americans out there. According to the Wall Street Journal today, they've had stagnant income. It went down in 2020. It was stagnant in 2021. What do they need to do to be thinking about not just getting by, but I mean, there's almost a disincentive, it seems like, for some people to even invest right now because they're struggling just to meet basic costs. Yeah, and this is the challenge of the middle class. Um, I got, God forbid you're you're married and you're raising a family and you have kids. I mean, it, it's it's a challenge to raise families in this environment. Uh, and so I guess the good, we're in a bad news, good news, good news, bad news scenario. What I mean by that is the only way to bring this down is the economy is going to have to is going to have to retract. So I would almost guarantee that we're going to be in a recession. I think technically we already are, but I think it, it's going to get worse. So if you're a family right now, say, David, I, I just want to be able to provide for my family, give my kids a good education, just put food on my table like most Americans do. This is where we just have to say, well, what are some of the areas that if, if you're in between jobs, but you're in a job that's maybe a little bit more high risk, you might want to consider, hey, you know, I want to be in a job where I can get through what may be coming over the six to nine months. It, it, it's not doom and gloom. It's just saying, Probably not the time to take risks with your income, because this is the time where you're really going to want consistency in income. But I would just say there's really no clear answer, Eric. I mean, I think for Americans, a lot of them are struggling right now. I think there will be relief around the corner. But if you have savings, it just means you're probably dipping into savings to get through this period of time. But if the Fed is successful, and this is where it gets scary, if the Fed is successful, that means they've wrecked the economy and inflation comes down. So just oh, keep wow. that in mind as you're making buying decisions, as you're making life decisions. We don't want to be scared or afraid. We just got to realize the next six months, it's going to be turbulent. So let that factor into some of your life decisions, if, if that makes sense. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking to my buddy David Nicholas uh, in Atlanta, Nicholas Wealth. He's on Fox Business a lot. He's also got a, a show on the weekends on my flagship station, WSB. David, before I let you go here, um, can, can you give people a little bit of an optimistic note? I, I know there was that decade in, in the 70s where we had stagflation. We've got uncertain times, but if people are, I mean, they're me, they're, they're mid-40s, and they're, they're looking at what's going to happen to me in 20 years from now, what do you think is going to happen long-term? What, what should people be thinking about? Well, here's the great news, right? Eric, me and you were born in this country. So America, I think, when you look at globally, right, geopolitically, America, well, we have the ability to fight this much better than other parts of the world. So that, that's the first thing. So I think if you're in this country, you've got a you've got a leg up compared to the rest of the world. But I mean, the macro story over the next twenty years for growth isn't great. But you know what? There's leaders that step up sometimes, Eric, like take a Ronald Reagan that can completely change the trajectory of a nation. And I'm optimistic. I'm actually hopeful about our future. I think things have gotten so bad. You alluded to this, Eric, right before that. I don't think most Americans, wherever you stand on this aisle, right, left or right. I think you look at what's happening right now and say, this is unsustainable. 
And so I think hopefully the right leaders will emerge to get us through this because, again, these problems that we face, it's not, it's not rocket science, right? We get back to principles that work. So I think the future is bright. I just think we're going to have a period of time over the next six to nine months that are probably going to be a little bit more challenging just because of what we're fighting against the Fed. But if you're someone like 40 years old, I know it's scary, but you want to buy when it's scary. So if you have some cash on the sidelines, use the next three to six months. You want to be buying this market. I think you're going to have some great opportunities to buy some of these large cap names like your Googles, your Amazons, your Microsofts. You could be picking them up 10 or 15% lower from where they are today. So if you're young, and this is what I'm going to be doing, Eric, I'm buying in this environment. So just depending on where you're at, if you've got a 20-year horizon, use this as an opportunity because I think it's going to be, I mean, it could be a generational wealth opportunity if you've got, and you're patient, if you've got money to put to work here. So hopefully that's some good news you know, for our listeners. I hope so. All right, David, if people wanted to, to find out more, reach out to you, where do they go? Now, uh, NicholasWealth.com. That's NicholasWealth.com. And then give us a call, 404-890-5606. And on the weekends, uh, folks can tune on WSB in Atlanta and find you there. David, I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for shaking up your schedule to join me. Eric, thanks so much for having me, man. Absolutely. David Nicholas, uh, again, if if you're listening on my flagship station, WSB, you can find him on the weekend, nicholaswealth.com. Uh, you always see him on Fox Business with Maria Bartiromo talking about um, the economy right now. But... Yeah, I mean, honestly, given the market turmoil right now, I'm looking again. It's 1.20 p.m., and the, the timestamp is kind of important because the markets go up and down throughout the day. But right now, the Dow's down 8.54. About an hour ago, it was down almost 900. Uh, NASDAQ down 4.68. S&P 500 down 121. Not a good day. And if you're trying to understand why, there are two reasons. One, inflation is higher than what was expected by about three ten, two to three-tenths of a point. Also, that means yesterday the markets were thinking the Federal Reserve might actually slow down their interest rate increases because the estimates on inflation were beneath where it actually wound up being. And now the markets are thinking the Fed may actually go above a three-quarter percent interest rate hike to maybe a full percent. We'll find out next week when the Federal Reserve meets. The, the betting is on three-quarters of a percentage point increase in the federal rate. Uh, either way, though... That just means, as David said, the only way to stop inflation is to slow down the economy, which means essentially wrecking the economy, which means there's going to be a recession. We're technically in one, but a very pronounced one is coming. And don't look now. Goldman Sachs has begun layoffs. I've got the details when we come back. Welcome back to the program. As always, remember, text DATA to 33777. Subscribe to the daily email. Uh, folks, really actually important. Uh, we will be announcing and unveiling all the details about our 2023 gathering here shortly. Uh, the, the subscribers, the paid subscribers to that e email are going to get first dibs on tickets and discounts. Uh, but uh, we'll send out all the information. It's a great way for me to be able to communicate when I'm not on air with everybody. Uh, if you're a listener, uh, you, the basic subscription, you don't have to pay a single penny. You get the basic emails in the mornings. You text DATA to 33777. Click the link and subscribe. The, the point here is not really self-promotion. It is this. We are inviting the prospective 2024 Republicans to Atlanta next year. This is, might as well make some news here. I am beginning the process of reaching out to all of the prospects for 2024. 
We will reach out to Donald Trump as well, the controversial one. But in particular, I'm not sure whether he runs or not, but we will be reaching out to all of the candidates who seem to have an inkling to want to play on the stage in 2024, from Ron DeSantis to Nikki Haley to Tim Scott to Josh Hawley to Tom Cotton to Ted Cruz to Marco Rubio. Uh, We will invite as well different governors from Brian Kemp here in Georgia to Bill Lee in Tennessee uh, and around the nation, Christy Nome and others. We would like to have them on stage with us. We're also reaching out to Vice President Mike Pence to have him join us in Atlanta next year at the gathering that we will do, where if you're not familiar with it, what I do is I don't allow these people to give speeches. You don't really learn anything from a politician's speech. What the politicians do is they have a carefully scripted speech designed for that audience, and instead, I make them sit on stage and have a conversation with me where I take the questions of the audience and weave them into the conversation So they have to answer the questions. No filibustering allowed. You got to answer our questions as conservatives from around the country. What would you actually do? How do you want to chart public policy? Now, not all of these people want to be president. A lot of them might. And the way they wish to pursue it and the way they wish to pursue public policy in general is deeply relevant to our future. And so I think they should have to answer questions about how they see the future how they see the direction of the country, what gives them hope, what's their concern, what do they think is the biggest issue, what is the biggest threat, what is the biggest bright spot not being talked about, all of these sorts of things. They should have to answer, and they're willing to do it. They pay their own way to sit on stage with me. We're going to work around the radio show next year. I've got some thoughts on how I want to do that, but it's going to be a big deal in Atlanta. Uh, in August of next year. It's the 17th through the 19th next year, if you want to put it on your calendar. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, people go home on Sunday um, and hoping to have some some meet and greet events around it as well. Very excited to be able to do this. Uh, Next week as well, Ron DeSantis is going to join me on the program to talk about his gubernatorial bid in Florida. We've got Tim Scott coming up on the show Uh, soon as well, and we've got requests from others. But my bottom line for a lot of them is it's great for you to come on the program, but I'd like to get them in person in Atlanta next year in front of a live audience of voters to answer their questions and address their concerns and their hopes. And that's going to happen in Atlanta in the middle of August next year. The gathering will be back for 2023 as we head into a presidential season. I hope you'll join me. To get more information, just sign up to the basic email. Text the word DATA to 33777. Click the link, put in your email address. Away you go. I'll send you the information as it comes out. Ladies and gentlemen, I I want you to understand that you should fear me because I have extraordinary power, and many of you do too. Brought to you by Libs of TikTok. This is a TikToker who wants you to know she's fat because of white people. I'm going to prove to you why white people are the reason I'm fat today. If white people didn't go looking for spices, then various sea routes to Indian subcontinent and Africa and other places of the world would not get discovered. And if they didn't get discovered, then East India Company would never come to Indian subcontinent. And if they didn't come, then the fertility of the land would not get destroyed because they forced us to cultivate tobacco and dyes and opioid, things like that, and that destroyed the fertility of my country. 
And then if that didn't happen and if they didn't exploit and extract resources until my ancestors were left with nothing to eat, we wouldn't move to this grain-heavy, very little nutritious diet that we have today. Also, if white people didn't come to the Indian subcontinent, then my ancestors would not go through 50 small, medium, large famines in a period of 200 years. That's a lot. We can leave it there. White people, we have such tremendous power. Some poor girl is fat because of us. Which reminds me, you can subscribe to the recipe list by texting the word recipe, singular, not plural, recipe to 33777. I've been working on the Nashville hot fried chicken sandwich. Perfect for this young lady. And you can get it this week. I will push it out. You text the word recipe to 33777. <laughs> my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The, the excuses people will make. Now, I want to go to the phones. Jack has been waiting very patiently. Jack, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Jack, thanks for being patient. Uh, good afternoon, Eric. That's, that's a tough act to follow, that TikTok thing. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I have a question about the lieutenant governor's race. I am a longtime Republican voter. The last Democrat I voted for was Sam Gibbons in Florida in the late 60s and 70s. And I'm thinking about voting for Charlie Bailey for lieutenant governor this year instead of Burt Jones. Uh, and I just wonder, what does lieutenant governor do in Georgia? <laughs> Whatever the that? legislature lets him do, um, that that that's the answer. The lieutenant governor's race in, in Georgia, uh, the lieutenant governor is the symbolic head of the state Senate. In the past, uh, Democrats and Republicans alike have taken power from lieutenant governors they did not care for. Uh, and uh, th- they've done this in the past. I, um, I will tell you, uh, I understand the concerns some people have about the the candidates. Uh, Burt Jones is the Republican nominee in Georgia. He was one of Donald Trump's guys who questioned the integrity of the election. A lot of people have concerns on him. I'll tell you, I know Burt. I disagree with him, but I think he's a fine guy, will be a fine lieutenant governor. My problem with Charlie Bailey is that Charlie Bailey is a perennial Democratic candidate. He's run for attorney general. He's, uh, I mean, you name it, he's run repeatedly against Chris Carr. He's tried to moderate his views. Uh, In the past, he's been much more progressive. He's trying to moderate his views. Now, the the guy is, I think, too liberal to put him in the lieutenant governor spot because of the what-if terrible scenario of if something were to happen to the governor, you would suddenly have a Stacey Abrams uh, clone as governor. Uh, Burt Jones is symbolic as lieutenant governor if he's elected. He can't do anything as lieutenant governor unless the Republicans in the state Senate allow him. The state Senate Republicans, I suspect, were already moving towards constraining uh, the existing lieutenant governor's power, Jeff Duncan, they'll probably do that to whoever gets elected anyway to give themselves a little more power in the House. So I would far prefer a Burt Jones in there who could become governor and at least would be a conservative uh, than a Charlie Bailey who could, uh, by horrible fluke, become governor who would be a Stacey Abrams clone. I I, I don't want to go near anybody as far left as that. You could moderate your tone, but when in the past you've run 
uh, as as a progressive Democrat repeatedly for attorney general and lost. I would prefer for you to lose as lieutenant governor as well. And that's part of the problem here now. You know, uh, around the country, regardless of where you live, some of these candidates, their rhetoric and their actions uh, are, are completely different. So, for example, in Arizona, the Democratic nominee out there is refusing to debate Carrie Lake. Now, the Democratic nominee in Arizona, you should know, is actually a terrible nominee. For all of the complaints people had about Carrie Lake, she's a far better, far more polished candidate. In fact, the Democratic candidate out there has lost most of her staff. Now she says she's refusing to debate because Carrie Lake's an election denier. The reality is she's refusing to debate because Carrie Lake would mop up the floor with her. It is kind of striking to me how when David Perdue in Georgia in 2020 ran against John Ossoff, he declined further debates outside of one. And the national and local media in Georgia ate David Perdue alive for refusing to debate John Ossoff. John Fetterman is refusing to debate Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. The Washington Post has called him out today. Washington Post is one of the rare news organizations to call out John Fetterman for his refusal to debate. And I've got to tell you, when you hear John Fetterman speak, you could understand why he doesn't want to debate. Uh, He had a massive stroke. It turns out it was far worse than anyone imagined. Every time his campaign releases information, it turns out he was closer to dying than what people expected. He may have some... Uh, I mean, he clearly does have some still brain injury that he's trying to recover from. In Arizona, the Democrat out there doesn't want to debate. In Georgia, the Democrats were trying to paint Herschel Walker as refusing to debate and bailing on debates. Actually, uh, Walker wanted to play a part in structuring the debates. He didn't want to go into the standard media debates in large part because some of the media outlets, uh, people in charge of those outlets are Warnock donors, and he wasn't going to walk into their debates. So he wanted to come up with his ideas for debating, and and Warnock is granting Walker uh, some leave to structure that debate, which will be in Savannah in Georgia. But around the nation... Herschel Walker got vilified by the national press for supposedly not wanting to debate. They've largely given this woman in Arizona a pass. They've largely given John Fetterman a pass. I got to tell you, from my vantage point, if you want to understand the national media's biases towards the left, compare the coverage of John Fetterman, a man who every time he speaks cannot put words together with a guy like Herschel Walker, who is perfectly able to put words together, you just may not like the way he says or explains things. At least Walker can put the words together to provide a plausible explanation when uh, Fetterman is still struggling to put basic words together. He had an abortion event on 9-11. There was a terror attack in Pennsylvania. United 93 lands in a field, causes a crater, And on September 11th, every year thereafter, the the state has paused to remember Flight 93. Let's roll. Fetterman, instead of doing that on 9-11, decided to have an abortion event. And on stage said, abortion is ballot November. Abortion is ballot November. Not abortion is on the ballot in November. Abortion is ballot November. That, my friends, should be a warning sign, a red flag. But the Democrats are convinced, convinced it doesn't matter. It is, it's, it's, 
hypocritical to me the number of people who cast dispersions on Herschel Walker and look at John Fetterman and say, oh, yeah, this guy, he is a shining star among the heavens. We should send him to the United States Senate. I don't know about I don't know about Herschel Walker. Looks like he got tackled too many times when he was in football. But that that Fetterman guy, I mean, he'll be a glorious. No, it's your partisanship. People in the press have that level of partisanship about it. And they're giving the Democrat in, in Arizona complete pass, who, by the way, is not doing well in the polling in Arizona. Now, Arizona polling is off. And the Arizona polling, if we look, go back to 2020 and 2016, if the Arizona polling is off by as much as it was off in those races, Carrie Lake is going to win in November. She's already trending ahead in the polling averages. And the Democrats really thought they could beat her by being some sort of election denier. And she stuck to her guns that you shouldn't cast dispersions on people who question the processes of the election. And by the way, I agree with her on that. I don't think the election was stolen, but I agree that uh, there are legitimate questions for some of the operations of the election. We can always make them better. Why? Because elections are run by sinners. And so they're always going to screw up, but you can always improve elections. You're never going to get a perfect election. There will always be problems. As a former elections lawyer, boy, did I see some problems in elections in the past. And in fact, was able to get a couple of them, um, have a couple of elections tossed out and redone. 2020 had problems, but they weren't so egregious as to throw it out. But I agree with her on on race questions when you see things that have run afoul. Uh, I would say also accept the answers when people explain the answers to you. But the fact that the Democrats are trying to make her a pariah when she's kicking the butt of the incumbent or of the Democrat secretary of state, no less, who's already been elected to statewide office, and the national media is now avoiding it is is something to behold. The media has a dog in the fight. They can say all they want that they don't, but they do. And they're trying as hard as they can to get Democrats elected across the country. It is harder and harder to get just straight reporting out there right now. So much of the reporting out there is designed to help the Democrats. I don't know that it can help them, though, now. Um, The problem here is you've got the economic news today. And Joe Biden today, with his news that's out there, it seems almost like he is, uh, dare I say, somewhat celebrating the news of the CPI numbers. He's calling it a decline. Again, he's calling it a decline when actually based on his statement from last month where he said uh, there was zero inflation, he should actually be uh, recognizing the fact that it's it's not good. Here's his statement. Today's data show more progress in bringing global inflation down in the U.S. economy. Overall, prices have been essentially flat in our country these last two months. This is welcome news for American families with more work still to go. Gas prices are down an average of $1.30 a gallon since the beginning of the summer. This month, we saw some price increases slow from the month before at the grocery store. Now, this is a, this is important, and, and I've got to spend a moment with you on this before we go to break. you got to hear this. The president of the United States releases this statement on the consumer price index, and he wants you to know we saw some price increases slow from the month before at the grocery store, and real wages went up again for a second month in a row, giving hardworking families a little breathing room. 
it will take more time and resolve to bring inflation down, which is why we passed the Inflation Reduction Act. The Inflation Reduction Act is widely considered a climate change bill that this administration embraced in the labeling. To claim prices have been essentially flat in our country these last two months is welcome news, is not welcome news when wages have been flat and inflation is still up 8.3%. It's only flat if last month was 8 point something percent and this month is 8.3%. Yeah, it's relatively flat, but it's still going up year over year, over 8%. And last month, the White House used a month over month increase to say there was no inflation. Well, this month it's up. Based on the White House's own logic from last month, inflation has gone up this month compared to last month. Maybe only a tenth of a percent, but it's still up. The most unfathomable thing is that inflation is up because food prices are up. Even as he's touting gas prices going down, food prices are up so high, we're still able to measure inflation. We have not seen food prices this high since 1979 when Jimmy Carter was president of the United States. I don't think it's a coincidence that yesterday scientists documented rabbits swimming. Jimmy Carter would like a word. We're starting to see more and more echoes of the Carter years, and I suspect we will see those accidental senators who are Republicans get elected in November who no one thought could get elected as the economic downturn continues to pick up steam heading for it's not just a technical recession, but the real actual one. I've still got the Goldman Sachs, uh, Goldman Sachs information on layoffs when we come back that they are laying people off. Should be a big red flag about where the economy is headed. That, my friends, is a perfect way to transition into telling you you may want to consider using precious metals to pad your retirement, to ease the ebbs and flows of the of the stock market and crashes and inflation. If you've got $50,000 or more in your IRA, your 401k or other retirement savings, consider my friends at GoldCo. You might be able to protect yourself. Call 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit. To learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money, thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at Gold Co. Find out how you qualify for their offer. They've helped thousands of Americans. They want to help you, 855-904-5933. Or you can just text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Text that to 33777. I will send you back Gold Co.'s number. Reach out to them. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go back to the phone. Cindy, you're going to be up next. Welcome, Cindy. How are you? Fine, thank you. And I appreciate you taking my call. Hopefully sure. I can word this correctly. You were talking about how the media keeps giving Biden, et cetera, a pass. The big uh -huh. thing for me is I watched um, the VP, you know, they interviewed with the VP. She was asked about the border and she says the border's closed. We have approaching 2 million illegal immigrants that have crossed already. Doesn't that add to our inflation, too, when you provide housing and phones and food and transportation for all those illegal immigrants? Oh, all of it does. And they're giving, um, and they're giving them a pass. Every bit of spinning out there now does. Now, I, I will say in the grand scheme of things that that's not additional new spinning that we're doing there. Uh, that is budgeted spending, uh, and they're spreading it around a little thinner uh, but it's still spending by the government, every bit of government spending. For those of you who didn't hear Kamala Harris, by the way, this is the clip. 
We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure? We have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. We also have to put in place a, 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 a law and a plan for a pathway for citizenship for the millions of people who are here right. and are prepared to do what is legally required to gain citizenship. Um, this is willfully naive. I mean, she doesn't care. It's not like she's going to the border to see it for herself. This is becoming a problem. You know, uh, Greg Abbott bust uh, the, some of the illegal aliens to Chicago. It, it's funny kind of to me to watch so many of the Democrats out there screaming about uh, these illegal immigrants going to other places, causing crises in those places when they've said it's no big deal. And now suddenly they're having to deal with what they said was no big deal. And suddenly it's become a very big deal to them that illegal aliens are showing up in their cities, and now they're upset about it. Not a good look. Here's, uh, well, I don't have time to play the Mayorkas clip. I want to play the Mayorkas clip when we come back because uh, we still got border issues. And also, I, 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 got a, I got a sense of the October surprise. Everybody's wondering, what's an October surprise? What's going to shake up the election? I've got some right now, though, before we get out, I've been telling you Goldman Sachs is beginning to lay people off, which is another warning sign for the economy. They see a slowing of deals in the economic climate. Uh, that suggests, again, points to the Bank of America report that by the first quarter of next year, we'll be in a full-blown recession. We're technically in one right now. But the full economic ramifications of it the begin to show the impact of it next year. This is not good for our economy.